Konnichiwa and welcome to the Board Game Dojo's Quick Hit series, where we cover a smaller topic in around 15 minutes. I hope that everybody had a great Obon weekend for those of you who are in Japan. This week we have a video review going up for Sao Bodos by Taiki Shinzawa, and he is one of my favorite Japanese designers. So I thought it might be fun to dedicate this week's Quick Hits episode to a top 5 list. It should be noted that all of these games are ranked based on how good they are in ideal circumstances. What I mean by that is, I'm not ranking these based on how often they can be played or in how available they are. Rather, I'm solely ranking them based on how much I like them played at the ideal player count with the ideal people and in the ideal surroundings. So, with that, let's get into the list. Number five is a game that I spent forever trying to track down the shedding game Ambient Abyssal. It comes in a small plastic container that is almost a foreshadowing of how simple yet hard this game can be. Players try to get rid of the cards in their hand as quickly as possible by playing one or two cards that beat the current high play on the table. The hook is that there is a ranking system based on a color hierarchy chart, but there's also one based on the numbers on the card. You never know which you're using until you start playing. If the lead player plays something like an orange 3, well, that's the lowest in the color hierarchy and yet not the highest number in that color, so we don't know what ranking system we are playing in yet this hand. The next player plays a green too, so ah, that's a lower number but a higher color, so we must be playing color. Or in another example, someone could play two ones in two different colors, so oh, we must be playing numbers. It's such a simple rule set, but oh man, it is a brain burner. The timing considerations of when to play a single card versus a pair, or is it to your best advantage to decide the ranking system for this hand now, or risk it coming back around to you? The hand management feels reminiscent of something like Haggis, where you get dealt your hand and you go, uh, how am I going to do this? This game is best at three and technically playable at two, but I don't like it at that count very much. I put it at number five because I think it's one of Chinzawa's most accessible games, and it can honestly be played with someone not very familiar to card games, which is something I really can't say about the other ones on this list. It's a fun little game worth trying, and although it is difficult to find, you can also play this with a variety of other card games you might own, like Red 7, Parade, Stickeln, or Rage. It just needs six different colors or suits with numbers 1 to 6. Although I prefer other climbing shedding games like Scouts or Bridge City Poker, it still remains one of the simplest teaches and certainly the best jellyfish themed game I own. Number four has been described as Ambient Abyssal's older brother, and it's certainly one, if not the most available, of Taiki Shinzawa's games, thanks to it being published by Oink Games. My number four game is Mask Men. In Mask Men, the suits are pro wrestlers, but the hook is that there are no values to these wrestlers until you assign them. You want to get rid of your cards as fast as possible. You can do one of two things one, play a wrestler card whose strength is still undetermined. To make sure your wrestler is stronger than the previous, add the number of cards played plus one. For example, if you play one purple card, then the next player plays two orange cards. Then that means that orange is now stronger than purple. Or two, when you have a wrestler card that is already known to be stronger than a previous played wrestler, play the same number of cards as the cards that were played last, not less and not more. You'll keep doing these two things, figuring out the hierarchy is cards as the number of cards in everyone's hand dwindles. If you run out of cards, you get to take bonus points based on how fast you did it. This is another interesting climbing game, and I still can't completely figure out how to eloquently describe this game. This is definitely a game where you say, okay, this first game is a practice game, so everyone can figure out what's going on. 
But after that first somewhat slow game, it becomes pacey yet oh so agonizing. It's always a weird feeling when you're first dealt a hand of no values, just colors, and you try formulating a plan as those early ranks are set. You want to wait so that the color you have a lot of becomes stronger, but at the same time you need to get rid of cards so you can go out quicker than everyone else. What to do, what to do. I've really enjoyed playing this game with people who play a bunch of climbing games as we always sit around and analyze our games afterwards. It really lends itself to that. I think the hiccup always comes for the first game, so it's not a game I always want to bring to game nights with people who haven't played the game before. It's a beast to teach compared to other trick takers, but since this ranking is all about playing with ideal situations, it gets to be number four. My ideal situation for this game is playing with three others who I've played with before multiple times, so we have a meta already formed with the game. If you want a somewhat weird ladder climbing game that is more on the complex side of the spectrum, check this one out. The top three really changed based on the day and how often I've played them lately. Hey, availability heuristics are a thing, but I think I've got it pretty well cemented based on how excited I am to talk about each one, which is excited for each. This isn't helping. My number three game is a game in which you can literally change the numbers on the cards as you are playing in order to win tricks by putting little popsicle sticks on numbers that look like digital clock numbers. This game is called Seven Segment Trick. Like I said, the hook is that each card looks like a digital clock, which, hey, if you haven't seen one for a while, has individual non-connected segments. Each player will have these little, I'm going to call them popsicle sticks, that act as both the bet amounts and a way to change the numbers you play. For example, you could change a 4 to a 9 by adding a popsicle stick to the top. However, the amount of sticks left in your collection are also your bet of how many tricks you'll win that round. And the bet amount is strict. You have to be right on, no close bets. So it's an interesting balance between using these sticks as a way of altering your card to make yourself win or lose that trick versus trying to have the correct number of sticks remaining to be your bid. Ultimately, this game works at something that is a downfall of a lot of games, and that is luck. Luck is a part of many games, but with short trick-hating games, the luck of the draw can often determine the fate of some players. By being able to alter your cards, it helps mitigate that luck. Oh, did you get a bunch of threes? Turn them into eights. Did you get some fours? Make them nines. What it does is make everyone feel like they have choice. Even when the luck of the draw is bad, players can look at their hands and try to piece together some kind of strategy. What cards will need changed? How many cards do I think I can win as is so that I have sticks left to be my bid? It's these strategic questions and the feeling of getting better over time, while also how much fun it is to explain to people in their first game that you can change the cards that makes it my number three. My ideal player count for this one is four people, and I could be playing with pretty much anyone that has at least some experience with trick-taking. This might be the most difficult decision so far. I'm between two games that I absolutely love, and which one is number one is so difficult. They're both so good, and it's a coin flip which one is number one. Tomorrow, this might be a different answer, but for now, for today... I'm going to say that my number two is a game that has just fulfilled on Kickstarter and is on the Twin Line Though Publishing label, which is a bookstore here in Japan. This game is called American Bookshop. Now, for some reason, this seems to be quite the controversial opinion to put this so high. With the new Kickstarter, lots of people have gotten their hands on this one, and as normal, there are some divisive opinions on it. Some have called it a punitive affair. Some say there's no tension. But I wonder if we're playing the same game. American Bookshop is a trick-taking game in which there are two ways to take the trick. The first way is basic, the highest number of the suit, which, by the way, in this game, there are book titles. 
the highest, anyways, the highest number of the suit takes it. But here's the catch. Here's the hook. There'll be a number on the table that if you as a group go over, the person who played the card that made you go over that number takes the trick immediately. This could mean that the trick is over without everyone even playing. It's when the group does not go over this number that is just a basic trick-taking highest wins. Let me give you an example. Let's say the number is 16 and you are playing with four people. The first player plays three, the next two, the next four, the next five. That total is 14. So the highest card wins because they didn't get over 16. But if the round were instead 12 and the cards were five, then eight, well, now the round is already over because we hit 13. The scores at the end of the round are based on who has the most of each color. You get positive points if you have the most of the suit, but you get negative if you have cards in a color that you don't own the most of. This game is so fun. The different strategies of maybe going for points or maybe just screwing with other people is both funny and clever. It allows any hand to suddenly be good because even if you have low numbers, those can be the cards that make the group bust and therefore you'll win the trick. This game is best at four, but definitely still good at three or five. My ideal is four because it's just high enough that you'll be able to see multiple people all fighting over the same suits. And like in our review of trick-taking in black and white, it's so fun to be the person in the middle just watching this happen and somewhat affecting it. It's like throwing a monkey wrench into a fight between lions. They weren't really fighting with you in the first place, but now, hmm. Wait, I actually have no idea what the analogy was supposed to be here. Uh... This is the quintessential Taiki choice. It's just a slight variation on trick-taking that anyone can understand how to play, but not how to play well. There's so much to think about. When to play a card that'll bust the group. When to hold cards for after the round is over to claim majorities. It feels almost like a mix of trick-taking and the Oink Classic startups. It's such a great game, and it's my number two. And the best game from Taiki Shinzawa, in my opinion, is... Wait, well, first, hold on. Let me give an honorable mention and give a disclaimer. The disclaimer is that there are two games that I'm ashamed that I haven't played yet because my friends tell me I'll really like them, and that's Caddy and Zimbabwe Trick. I just haven't been able to find a copy to play anywhere. Luckily, Board Game Tables from the US has rethemed Caddy and will be releasing it soon as Nine Lives, but Zimbabwe Trick is still something I need to track down. My honorable mention, and it's still a great game, I just think I like the concept of the game more than I like the game itself, is Dua. Or Doice? Doice? Doice is a game where instead of having something like a red 6 or a yellow 3, you'll have something like a card that says red and another card that has a 3. You'll bet on how many tricks you'll win using these cute little buttons. I like the idea of it, but it just fell off my list because I've also had some really stagnant games of it where the cards seem to play themselves more than the players playing them. Alright, finally it's time for me to say my number 1. My favorite Taiki Shinzawa game because it's incredibly fun, an amazing concept, and consistently makes my group come back to it is Time Palatrix, also reprinted by board game tables as Ghosts of Christmas. I'll use the term used in Ghosts of Christmas because that's the one that is most available and I hope you try it out. You'll play tricks to the Ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, so you'll have three cards out on the table. The first player to play to each determines the color others have to play to that color if they can't. However, here is the interesting thing. You can play them in any order, and when determining the winner for each, you go in order of time. So the Ghost of Christmas past goes first, then present, then future. The person who wins the trick in the previous time becomes the lead for the next trick, meaning that they can actually change the lead color for that trick and make everyone else lose. Let me give you an example. 
Cinema Wife plays a yellow card to the present, and since she's the first to play it, everyone else should play yellow. Well, I don't have a yellow, so I play a blue when I'm ready to play onto the present area. After everyone plays, we start determining the winners, and it turns out that I won the past area. Well, now I'm the lead player for the present area, and what do you know? I had played a blue, so it is no longer that yellow is the strong color. Blue is. Meaning that my wife has now lost the present area as well. I take the present trick, and now lead for the future. This game is the epitome of brain burning, a game that I would play with people who are familiar with trick takers and probably never with someone new to it. It's a fantastic game to show a progression in skill level, as you'll find yourself better able to piece together the puzzle and beat your friends as you fine tune your trick taking skills. I really like the game at both player counts, 3 and 4, which also adds to the reason I like this game so much because it's rare that I equally like a game at multiple player counts. Lastly, it's not the reason why you beat out the others, but I'm retrospectively pretty happy that my favorite game ended up being one that is easily available for those interested. It's not the easiest of his games to get into, but if you're at all interested in trying out something new and different in the field of trick-taking, I'd give it a shot. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you have a topic you want to hear about, let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We read and try to get back to every message we receive. Sayonara! Sayonara!